good interruptions, the uh, revival meeting, and uh, what a great time that we had in a revival meeting, and then uh, we've got, as Brother Chris just mentioned, we've got a missionary, one of our missionaries, listen, when our missionaries come, let's be here to support them, and you've done a great job over the years, and uh, I'll tell you, God is doing some wonderful things in Papua New Guinea, don't miss this opportunity, and of course, uh, right before that, as he mentioned, we're going to have a special time just to remember our dear brother, and uh, if some of you are interested, we've already had some folks that have uh, been able to maybe take some food or something by uh, for Miss Lapita. If you're interested in doing that, uh, if you'll see my wife or uh, Miss Becky or Miss Abby and just let them know, uh, as long as we can kind of coordinate that a little bit. As far as I know, uh, Lapita's daughter and her husband have been here. They're leaving tonight, uh, so it'll, be, it'll just be Lapita. If, if you would, pray. This will be the first week uh, that she's had her daughter. She's had someone around, and if you've ever lost a loved one, uh, that's when it really gets uh, kind of difficult. And so if you would remember to pray for her this week. But uh, if, you, if you're wanting to do food, again, uh, she'll be there by herself. So she, I'm sure you don't need to bring like a whole pig over, okay? But uh, nothing else, maybe bring her a nice meal or maybe some soup or something if you're interested. But let my wife know, and if you would like to do that and you say, Pastor, I'd like to do it, but I can't necessarily probably go by there. If you bring it to the church, we'll get it over there. Okay, we'll take it for you, and if we can help in any way, but I know that that'll be a blessing, and uh, again, I, I love our church. I love the way the church reaches out, helps folks, and I can't imagine what Lapita's going through, and we spent about two hours with her on Friday night, and I uh, had a sweet time, but it, you know, some uh, very difficult for her right now, and so if you would, uh, just be in prayer. I know she, lo uh, she knows that we love her and that we're praying for her, but uh, again, it's a, a difficult time. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of announcements, and I always kind of wonder uh, how much people actually pay attention, because I know you all, a lot of times people don't read their bulletin, because people ask me questions, and I'll say, that's been in the bulletin for four weeks. And, uh, and so, you know, that's there for you to read, it's to keep you informed. But uh, one thing that we just settled on is, and I'm, I hope a lot of you uh, take advantage of this, uh, because we're doing the men's retreat and we're, we're heading up uh, just across the Georgia state line on the 22nd, 23rd of, of this month, uh, because we're doing that, we're going to have a family camp. Woohoo, Pastor! Family camp, you know? I know. How many of you like to camp? That's what I thought. Now, here's the best part is if you don't really like to camp, Okay, I'm, 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 I'm saying this tonight because this, this, is, this is really the core of our church probably more than, than uh, a lot of folks when they come back Sunday night, is you go through three stages. You go through rejection. That's where a lot of you are right now. <laughs> and then you go to tolerance. That's where I want you to get. But I don't want you to stop there. Then I want you to get to acceptance. Okay. Now, the best part is, listen, if you don't like to camp or you don't like bugs, okay, you can do just like some of the men did last, last year when we had our men and boys. You can come out in the evening for fellowship, preaching, campfire, games, and then go home and sleep in your own bed. And then come back Saturday and enjoy Saturday. We've got the campground on Friday and Saturday. See, I'm getting some of you past 
the rejection right now, and some of you are like, okay, pastor, that doesn't sound too bad. We'll have plenty of off, bug spray, citronella candles. Brother Tim and I, we learned last year we didn't put it on early enough in the evening. But listen, I'm going to tell you, and Brother Kenny, I'm going to tell you, Brother Kenny cooked last year. We might have to put him up to that again. But we brought the grill out. We, we smoked the dinner right there. I mean, we didn't do like this. We smoked it in a, in a barbecue pit. But we had, we had a great time. And I want to tell you something. You don't want to miss this because it's going to be a fantastic time. It's for families, children, doesn't matter what age, bring your lawn chair. We could sit around. We, we built a huge, last year, Brother Chris and Brother Kenny, they went crazy with a chainsaw. Had a whole pile of wood. I mean, they had a fire about 20 foot in the air, you know, and people sitting around. My eyebrows are just now starting to grow back, I mean, after, after that. But we're going to have a great time. I hope that you come. There's nothing like it, folks. I mean, I grew up camping. I love being outside. And I love that atmosphere. And the best part is, it's right here at Markham Park. And it's, it's, it's what, 20, 25 minutes away from most of you. And some of you, listen, I'm just going to tell you, you just need to get right with God and then come out to the family camp, okay? You just got to get over your phobias, whatever they are, and just come out. How many of you say tonight before God, Pastor, I'm going to try to be there at family camp. Come on now, raise your hand. Come on now. I'm watching those hands. I see that hand. Revival's happening tonight right here, all right? Now listen, you need to come to this family camp. Listen, Avon's back there. He's raising his hand, all right? So listen, I'm just throwing that out. Now, I'm going to keep this up. Listen, God put this on my heart. And the Bible says that you're supposed to follow the faith of those that God's put in your life. And I'm asking you, family camp, follow the faith, all right? So that's a loose translation right there, okay? But uh, listen, tonight we want to talk about God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. How many of you in your life, you've known someone in your life that God has used in your life? Has God used anyone in your life to help you? Sure. And most of the time, it's not somebody that's like some spectacular person. Most of the time, it's just a, what we would call an ordinary person. Tonight, we're going to look at another one of those who is just an ordinary person in the Word of God, but he did something extraordinary. And there's great lessons and a pattern for us to follow when it comes to this, this individual. Uh, I was thinking, as I was studying for the message, and I spent a little time this afternoon just thinking about this individual, that I remember as my wife and I, we took a trip, uh, went up to uh, Washington State, and we were there. And my, my wife, I don't know if you saw in the news, but the church that we were at two Sundays ago, yesterday got a foot of snow. They had to cancel their services. Some of you that are in South Florida, they think it's bad here. He, the pastor had to do his service on Facebook Live from home. That's how they had church today. And he took a picture. He was out on his driveway with his snowblower trying to blow the snow off of his driveway. But I remember when we got ready to leave, my wife said, boy, I'm glad that we weren't there two weeks later. We'd have been snowbound. I would have thought that would have been good, but my wife, she would have probably divorced me, you know. But we were there, and we were enjoying ourselves. We, we, we went to the airport. We got there early in the morning. When we got to the airport, we were waiting. I mean, we got there in plenty of time. We were sitting there. We were very calm. We were just kind of doing a few things. 
And then all of a sudden, over the speaker, a lady comes out loud and says, flight, and there was four numbers to our flight. She says, your flight has been delayed until 740, which was an hour and 40 minutes after we were supposed to take off. And I was kind of amazed that my wife, and really I, I was kind of that way. I mean, I know I could be high strung, but I was amazed how both of us just were like, okay. I mean, but I looked around and there were people scrambling. Uh, you know, have you ever had your flight changed and you're thinking about making your connection that you, you, you're going to have a layover somewhere and that layover's gone. You're not even going to make the plane to the next uh, destination and you begin to think about it and all these people were scrambling around furiously trying to, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to make my flight? But when I thought of this individual we're going to look at tonight, he was a man that I think kind of had a calm to his life. He had a steady confidence that everything in his life was all going to work out in time. You know, sometimes I, I look at all four of my children and, and I realize their personalities come from me and my wife. My, my daughter that's here, she was in the office earlier and I was trying to mess with her like any good father does to his children. And I was in there trying to mess with her and she got snippy with me. She didn't know it was going to come up in the message tonight. You have to be careful about messing with a preacher. And here's what she said to me. Dad, for 30 years I've been your chill child. She goes, give me just a couple minutes to be this way. I'm like, where's the calm, the steady, the confidence that everything is going to work out in time? Tonight we're going to look at a man that you know in the Bible as Caleb. Caleb's a man that he saw the possibility. He saw potential when all us everyone around him saw was problems. You know, you think about it, it's easy to see the problems. People always remember the bad and they, they, they don't look at the potential, the good that is there. You know the story, the song that, that and I think I heard uh, Brother Chadwick and them, maybe they sing that. Do you sing the ten were bad, two were good back then? Every once in a while. I thought I've heard maybe once in a while, but the song 12 men went to spy out the land of Canaan. Ten were bad, two were good. The, the children sing that song, but you know, when they went into the land, what do you think they saw? Well, according to the song, some saw giants, big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Some saw God was in it all. Did you catch that? Even the songwriter says, yeah, look. Look how big the grapes are. Look how big the people are. But listen, God's in this. See, that was Caleb. Caleb thought to himself, look, yeah. There's going to be some challenges. But beyond the problems, Caleb saw the potential. I constantly have to remind myself that I haven't arrived and that God puts people in my lives. And instead of looking at the problems and thinking about this deficit or this person can't do this or whatever, I have to look past that like Caleb and say, boy, there's great potential there. You know why? Because God's in it. The Lord has something here. And we see that Caleb was, he was confident. He had a perspective in his life because Caleb was influenced by the things that had happened in his life up to this point. 
How many of you, God's done something in your life? Okay. Can I tell you, if your hand went up, that there ought to be a perspective in your life based on what God has done in your life up to this point. You know, at the church that I was at in Bible college, every year the pastor would have a Sunday that he would call DTA Day. The first time I saw it, I thought, what is that? Now, that, that was, this was long before the days where, you know, now everything on social media, it's all, uh, you know, initials or whatever it's called, and, you know, and you're, you know, like LOL. You know, and I see a lot of that stuff, and I'm like, what is that? My daughter's, you know, I'm like, nobody gave me the, the, the answers to all these things. I have to try to figure them all out. Laugh out loud. What's that mean? Stupid, you know? <laughs> so when I saw DTA Day, I was like, what is DTA Day? Here's what it is. Do that again. You know what that pastor was saying? Hey, listen, God's done it in the past. We want to see God do it again. It's so important that we understand how God has worked. Uh, Caleb maybe thought about, you know, a lot of times you think about him and you think about, well, listen, he was a special man because of what had happened. This was a man that was raised, he grew up in Egypt. This was the man that, that, that as he grew up, he didn't know anything about freedom until God liberated his people under the leadership of Moses. He experienced firsthand things like, can you imagine this, walking on dry ground through the Red Sea? I told the guys on Saturday, I said, that was the first aquarium. And they're walking through the Red Sea, and right there is a big shark, you know? There's a big whale over there, and they're like, whoa. You know, they're probably thinking to themselves, hey, listen, Pharaoh and his army are going to be following us if you're hungry. You know, we don't have enough on our bones, but they might have more than we do. And, you know, I mean, think about all that Caleb got to see, how God provided for them. Listen, they, when they were in the desert, God provided for them. Caleb was there. But I, I, I see in the scriptures that Caleb believed with all of his heart that the land that God had promised to him, that one day that his people that that land would be theirs. I mean, Caleb was a man who lived his life to the fullest. He lived his life with God. He lived his life by God. He lived his life for God. Everything about this man. There's a verse that I want you to see there in your notes or in, in your Bible. It's a verse that I think gives us insight about what extra thing that Caleb had, which, by the way, I believe every one of us need to have. And I want you to see this verse, Numbers 14, 24, because it made him extraordinary. The Bible says, my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, have followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Now listen, when it says another spirit, a lot of times people think, well, it was probably some kind of hocus pocus. It was, you know, some kind of weird spirit. But listen, when I read the rest of the verse, it says because of that spirit, even though it's called another spirit, it says that he followed the Lord fully. That's the kind of spirit that I need to have. That no matter what happens, no matter if I understand what's going on with my life, no matter if I understand God or I don't understand God, that I need to have faith in God. I need to holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, 
fully, I need to follow the Lord. That's what Caleb had. He had a spirit that was another spirit. Uh, when I think of my wife sometimes, and I love my wife, she's like a lot of ladies. My li wife likes to go out and she shops, but she doesn't buy things. Why go? If you're going to shop, you're going to shop to buy. It's a waste of time to go shopping and not buy something. You know? And I, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, look, I mean, I don't get it when, it, when people say, well, I'm going to window shop. Does that mean you're going to buy windows? Because, listen, I'm going to tell you, most stores, when you look through the windows, they have mannequins and stuff in the window, but that's never stuff that you're going to buy. you got to go in the store to find the stuff that you're going to buy. But can I tell you that some Christians are like that? Some Christians are window shoppers. In other words, they come to church, they hear what God has for them. They hear the good that God has for them, how that they must live their lives, allow Christ to live in them and through them. But then what do they do? They go home the same way that they came. They window shop as a Christian. Caleb wasn't a window shopper. Caleb didn't spend time learning about the things of God only to say, nope, don't want that in my life. Nope, don't believe that. He not only heard God's plans for his life and for the people of God, but Caleb desired for those plans to be fulfilled. He wanted it not only to be fulfilled, but he wanted to be a part of it. Caleb had that spirit to be a part of it. He didn't want to miss one single thing. Caleb was the kind of guy that, listen, when the house of God was open, the doors were open to the church house, Caleb was at every service. He said, listen, I, I want to be there just in case God wants to speak to me. He was not a Christian that was a window shopper. If, it, listen, if God said it, Caleb believed it. Let me say that again. If God said it, whether he understood it or not, he believed it. So when I look at th this man, I find that he trusted God. He trusted God to make good. He had a steady confidence. And he, listen, that was something that set Caleb apart from the rest. Now, I could include the other young man that we know in the Bible was, remember, there were ten bad, but how many good? Two. Yeah, so I could be including here the young man by the name of Joshua. Joshua. But for the sake of the message, Joshua is going to have to take a seat. Because the message tonight is about Caleb. Because Caleb doesn't say that about David. David was a man after, or excuse me, Joshua was a man that did some tremendous things. We studied a lot about Joshua last year. But Caleb was a man that had another heart. And that's what we want to look at tonight. He had a confidence and he was optimistic because his optimism in what he believed that God could do, it was connected to the promises of God. He had a confidence that the Lord was allowing him to go through some of these changes and circumstances in his life. But even though the circumstances were there and the changes were there, I still find that he maintained a steady, consistent Faith and focus on God. Did you hear what I said? See, a lot of Christians, when circumstances change, when things come into our lives, listen, it's good while things are going good. But when things start to get challenging or bad, it's really when our faith is put to the test. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 28, 7. This is how he lived his life. The Lord is my strength and my shield. 
My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and my song will I praise him. Caleb had a heart. He had a heart that was consistent. It was marked by harmony. It had a steady continuity. There was, it was no variation in his life. He was marked by agreement. Listen, he had this character, this belief. Uh, he possessed a firmness, uh, a firmness in his life uh, about the things of God. He was consistent, but Caleb's consistency was not because he trusted his own ability to control the situation. See, that's what a lot of people try to do, is we try to control our lives. We try to control every situation in our lives. How many of you realize a lot of times things are beyond our control? Sometimes things get out of control. You know, I used to think, for many, many years, I used to think that the older I got, the easier life would be. You know, and then I get around people like Gerald Gilbert that's busier than I am. I'm like, Brother Gilbert, what are you doing? And he starts rattling off all this stuff that he's doing. And I'm thinking to myself, listen, we, we need to make sure that we understand that there has to be this, this trusting in what God can do, that our strength is in him. That's the way Caleb was. Caleb wasn't trusting in himself, his own ability. His confidence was in God to control every situation. Remember the Bible says all things work together for what? Good. For good. You know why? Because everything is under his control. Everything in our lives. And it was this confidence that allowed Caleb to look past the obstacles and if I could use the Bible story that the ten saw. But Joshua and Caleb didn't see that. There was another spirit See, he was in favor of moving forward. And so this spirit that he had, this spirit of faith, is a pattern for all of us to follow. And I want to give you just three simple thoughts tonight. The first one is this. We need to be more concerned with the promise than the popularity. More concerned with the promise of God than the popularity. I mean, you know, sometimes in our lives, have you ever maybe gotten some great news, and you're so excited about it, you can't wait to share it with somebody else. And the time comes to share it with someone else, and they are not as excited about it as you are. As a matter of fact, sometimes what they do is, in their own way, they kind of shoot you down. Has that ever happened to you? You know, boy, you're all excited about something, and you go to share it with somebody else, and they're just like, yeah, well. And you're like, Seriously? And when you look at Numbers chapter 13, here's what you find is the nation of Israel, the people of God, they had made their way to what is known as the land of Canaan. God had promised this land to them. Caleb was, he was one of those 12 men that were, that were picked out as representatives of each one of the tribes. They were to go in and they were to spy out the land. They were looked to see what was there. When they went into the land, they found some incredible things. Look what it says in Numbers 13, 23. They came under the brook of Eskel and cut down from thence a branch. Now get this, just one branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bear it between how many people? Two. 
on a stick, on a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The Bible says in verse 27, they told him and said, we came into the land whither thou sentest us and surely, I mean, look, there's no doubt it's a land that floweth with milk and honey. And they're pointing at this, this cluster of grapes and they said, and this is the fruit of it, the pomegranates and all that that they brought. Can you imagine how big a cluster of grapes is that two guys would struggle to carry it? I mean, listen, how many of you like grapes? I mean, man, that's a lot of grapes. That's a big cluster of grapes. And along with those giant grapes, guess what? There were some giant problems. Look at the next verse there in Numbers 13. Nevertheless, they said. I mean, look, the land's flowing with milk and honey. Are you starting to get the hint what the ten were focused on? They're saying, look, I mean, here's the fruit of it, but look at verse 28. Nevertheless, in other words, just ignore the fruit. Just ignore that it flows with milk and honey. He says, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, the, we saw the children of Anak there. Verse 33, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own, not them. He says, look, when we compare ourselves to them, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. I mean, look, the potential that was there in that land. By the way, it's the land that God promised to give unto them. The potential was great. But the 12 spies, they got weak in the knees. I mean, they're like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, the people are big. And so what do they do? These 10, instead of claiming the promises of God, they begin to try to convince all the people it's going to be a big, big, big mistake if we go into that land. That's what they did. Look at verse 31. The men which went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. You know what I say to that? Yeah, you're right. But God is able. I mean, certainly we cannot in and of our own selves. See, they, they were like many today. They were focused on the problems instead of the potential. That's the human nature is we focus on the so few things. You know what I told, and by the way, this is good advice for any of us. I told Lapita, I said, you know, Lapita, one, one thing that might help you is you should get you a book and you should start journaling. And in the front of that book, you need to write out all the blessings of life that God's given to you. And I says, I guarantee you the blessings will far outweigh all the, the bad things that have happened in your life, and you know what? It'll become a source that you can go to, that you can rejoice in the goodness of God. It's easy to sit around and dwell on the problems. It's easy to say, hey, the giants, they're so big, and we're just like little grasshoppers in their sight. Forget about the fruit. Forget about the pomegranates and the grapes and all the potential that is there. All we see is all the problems. That's what the ten saw, but not Caleb and Joshua. They didn't see that. They saw the potential. I mean, they stood for what was right. Those that were afraid, they began to, to press on and focus on what they could do in their own strength, but not Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua, their strength was in the Lord. Look what it says in verse 30. Here's what it says. Caleb stilled 
the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Isn't it amazing? One of, one of the 12, there's 10 saying, look, we're not able. Here's Caleb over here going, these guys are crazy. Don't listen to them. We are able. And listen, I have to believe because of the spirit that God put in him, that Caleb had, that he possessed, he wasn't saying it's because I'm so great or I'm so good or I'm going to annihilate these, these individuals by myself. No, his strength was in his God. He says, listen, we can go in and we are able to overcome it. I mean, I admire the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. How, listen, where is the Christian today that will go against the grain? You know, everybody's going this way. Does that mean we have to? The only reason I would go that way is if it was right and if it was of God. But can I tell you, that wasn't the right thing to do. The right thing is God says, I want you to go in and possess the land. Many times we don't, we don't receive the blessings of God. We don't pursue the promises of God because the crowd is going against it. And many times in our lives, we're afraid that if we take a stand for what is right, that we might be standing alone. And the Bible says, having done all the stands, stand therefore. That's what God tells us. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's not easy standing alone. But I'll tell you this, I've never stood alone. Because just like Paul, everything I do for the Lord, God stands with me. And with God, I have a majority. You see, I, Caleb's spirit, just because... Somebody had an opinion that's popular. The 12 went in. 10 of them said, hey, look, we shouldn't go in. Just because their opinion was popular doesn't make it right. So don't be concerned oftentimes when the crowd says, hey, listen, I think we ought to do this. Can I tell you, do one thing that Caleb did. Keep faith in the promises of God. Caleb says, listen, this is what God promised us. And listen, not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. How many of you believe that? God will make good on every promise. And Caleb held that in his heart. Can I tell you tonight, listen, we have to be a people that are more concerned with the promise than the popularity. But look at secondly, another principle, a good pattern for us to follow along with Caleb is we need to hold firmly to the promise and gently to the process. Now listen, God gives us promises, and we need to hold on to those promises. But you know what oftentimes we struggle with is the process. Now let me illustrate this for you from the Word of God right here in this passage tonight, because I'm going to tell you as a pastor and as a man, I struggle with waiting. I don't like to go to the doctor. You know why? Because the room that you sit in is called the what? And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. That's right. That's, that's an easy time, two and a half. Usually it's a lot more than that. I went to see the Dakers. Brother Dakers told me that they waited in the emergency waiting room for four hours. Four hours. I don't think anybody's a fan of waiting. And I think that when Caleb, listen, remember the conversation? Ten go in, or twelve go in, they come out. 10 said, look, this would be a huge mistake. There's giants in the land, and if we go in there, they're going to annihilate us. And here's Joshua and Caleb saying, look, 
They say that we're not able to do it, but we are able to overcome. But remember that when that happened, that Caleb was deciding in his life, look, I, I believe in the promise of God. But the hard part was he had to wait on the promise of God. I mean, they tried to encourage the people to hold on to God's promise. Look at these verses in chapter 14 of Numbers. Look at verse 7. They spake unto all the company of the children of Israel. Listen to what they said to them. The land which we pass through to search it, it's an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defenses departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not, but look at the last part of that verse. But all the congregation said, we're not going to go to family camp. Look what it says. The congregation bade stone them with stones. Remember what happened in David's life? Because of what happened at Ziklag, they talked about stoning David. Remember what David did? He encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes that's the only person that we have to find encouragement from because everybody else is against us. I mean, they were doing everything they could. These two that were good, they were trying to encourage people, listen, no matter what the ten say, hold on to the promise of God. Folks, can I tell you, when you read the Word of God and you find a promise from the Word of God, for instance, that if you are saved, then God has promised that your home is in heaven someday. Hold on to that promise. There are so many promises in the Word of God. But listen, even though the promises are there, and even though they were the people of God, and even though God promised that land to them, what did the people do? They rebelled. They, they, heard, they heard the truth. They knew what the promise was, but they rebelled against Joshua and Caleb. They believed the ten instead of the two. So what was God's response? Look in Numbers 14. Look at verse 23. Look what God says. Surely they will not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But, I love that but there. He says, I'll tell you what though, my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit, there it is again, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed, those that come after him, shall possess it. And you know what happened after those words? After God says, listen, those that want to be that way, those that want to rebel against you, those that do not want to listen to me, guess what? They have just disqualified them. They will not enjoy the benefits and the blessings that I had prepared for them. And as a result of that, none of them ever got to see the land. But he says, I'll tell you what. He says, oh, Caleb, right there. He says, because he believes in his heart, he says, not only is he going to see it, but all of his descendants, all those that come after him, they're all going to get to see it. Now, watch this. Remember I talked to you about the process? Because God said that, guess what happened next? The people wandered around in the wilderness for how long? And guess what, guess what Caleb did during that time? He waited. Forty years. 
You think a doctor's appointment's bad? <laughs> 40, 40 years. I can't imagine. For 40 years, he waited on the process. Listen, at that time in his life, you know what, Josie, he could have been, I would have probably been the same way. I would have probably said, God, listen, this is just not fair. God, didn't you hear what I said to the people? Joshua and I tried to get them to understand. Listen, there is a potential there. We can go in. There is great potential in the land. Look at the fruit thereof. And listen, those people, yeah, they're big, but you're bigger than that. God, didn't you hear me say that to the people? Don't you understand that I stood for you? But God, why would you do this to me? Why would I have to wait? Now, you could say, well, Joshua and Caleb could have easily said that, but can I tell you that even though Joshua did not understand and Caleb did not understand that they had to pay for these individuals that would not believe, Caleb chose to trust the process of God. That's the hard thing, is waiting. And sometimes, watch this, sometimes waiting when we were not the cause of the wait. He waited for 40 years. God was preparing, and this is probably why. Remember that whole generation, none of them got to see the land. You know what God was going to do? He was going to say, listen, that's fine. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise another generation that will listen to me, that will obey me, that will let me lead them into the land that I told them that I would get them. And that's why Caleb had to wait. Sometimes life doesn't go the way we expect it to. Would you agree with that? You know, and here's a verse that's helped me out, Isaiah 55, 9. Look at it. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Well, I just think it ought, no, that's the problem, you think. You know what we need to do? Just let God be God. God knows what's best. Sometimes we think it's not fair Forty years later, here's, here's Caleb. The whole process is now complete, but there's a difference because now he's 40 years older. Look at the Bible says in Numbers 26, 65. The Lord has said unto them, they shall surely die in the wilderness, and there was not left a man of them save or except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Here's the only two. The only two. You know why? Because they were the two good ones. Because they believed God. If Caleb would have been like the, the rest of the crowd, if they were all going this way, and Caleb says, well, that's their opinion, that must be right, I'm going with them. You know what? Caleb sadly would have never got to enjoy all that he got to enjoy if he would have gone with everybody else. I hope that you understand how important it is the choices and decisions that you make. May we not be discouraged sometimes when we have an unplanned detour in our lives. That ever happened to you? What do you do when, when maybe an unplanned detour? God, I never, I never prepared for this. I didn't know this was going to happen. So what do you do? Well, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. See, when it's an unplanned detour, why don't you just trust the one that you should be trusting anyway? Trust in the Lord. Trust 
somebody said, trust isn't trust if we can perfectly see the path ahead of us. You know why? Because we should walk by faith and not by sight. Caleb didn't understand it. But can I give you some help tonight? Even though he didn't understand it, you know what he did? He just trusted God. That's what he did. And when God's process looks different than what you and I expect, keep your focus on his promise for your future. Keep your focus on his promise. That's what we've got to do. God will bring all things to pass. And we see that Caleb was a man that was trusting God. And notice the third thing that helps us as we see this pattern that Caleb gives us. Number three is that you and I need to respect the past, certainly. But watch this, while we are reaching for the promise. Respect the past. Look, we, we can learn from the past, but don't get stuck in the past. Don't, don't allow what's happened in the past to keep you moving forward in the present. Caleb was one that certainly could have told about, hey, listen, I remember what it was like to be in Egypt, and I can remember what it was like when under the leadership of Moses, God let us out, and I can remember how Moses had to deal with Pharaoh, and I remember how we walked upon a, a dry ground in the midst of the sea, and how God allowed the water to overthrow Pharaoh and his army. I mean, he had certainly, uh, many times, he could talk about all the battles that they had fought and all the battles they had won, and Caleb knew that those battles and all those journeys were all by the power of his God. Caleb could have certainly talked about so many things in the past, but guess what? Now he's 85 years old. He was a young man, wasn't he, Brother, Brother Gilbert? 85 years old. Here he is. He's about to enter into Canaan. I mean, he's to many people, Caleb is at the end of his life. But you know what I see about this guy, 85 years old? That he's not interested in resting on his laurels. I mean, he's 85 years old. A lot of people would say, listen, at that point, just shift her into neutral and just coast to the finish line. But that wasn't Caleb. Caleb kept his eyes on God's promise. Look at verse 12 of chapter 14. The Bible says, now therefore, give me this mountain, he said. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Sounds to me like a man that was 85 years old. I don't mean to no disrespect to Caleb or anyone else here tonight, but I'm going to tell you something. As an old man, he had no interest in quitting. Not one bit, not one iota. Listen, he went after what God had for him. That same spirit that Caleb has reminds me of the spirit that the apostle Paul had in the end of his life when he wrote in the book of Philippians, I press toward the mark. That was towards the end of Paul's life. If you study the book of Philippians, he wrote it from a prison. He's in prison and he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, like Caleb, was determined, I'm going to keep moving forward for Jesus. I am going to keep doing what I can do for Jesus. Listen, I know that temptations come along and sometimes we want to just quit. We want to just stop. Maybe there's failures in our past, but don't let the past failures keep you from claiming the promises of God. That's what Caleb was doing. He was saying, look, I understand the past, 
but I'm, I'm claiming that God's going to give me that land. And we can learn in our lives that, listen, the Bible says in Romans 8, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. See, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We can learn from the past, but listen, don't hold on to it. Don't let what the past did keep us from reaching God's precious promises in our lives. We've got to trust God just like Caleb did. We've got to press forward in faith like Caleb did, like, like Paul did. And here's why, because God wants to use us. Just like God used a man that many people would have said, listen, Caleb's just an ordinary guy. What was it that made him extraordinary? He had another spirit. And his spirit was, it doesn't matter what the ten, what the crowd, what the world says. I'm just going to follow the Lord. I'm going to trust my God. And what he has promised to me, he will make good on his promise. Would you bow your heads tonight? Lord, thank you for this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd just bless in the days ahead. God, I've been challenged from the life of Caleb. And I pray that you would just bless just these few moments. Lord, may, maybe someone tonight, God, that you have stirred their spirit. That it's easy sometimes to throw in the towel, to listen to everybody else around us. Sometimes it's even family and friends. Could even possibly sometimes be another church member, a brother or sister in Christ. But God, I pray that we wouldn't be like those 10, that we would always encourage those that want to go forward in faith. Thank you for the spirit of Caleb. May we have that same spirit. In Jesus' name, would you stand tonight?